what's going to happen next. Amen? In the book of Proverbs, it says a man plans his ways, but God determines his path. We do a lot of planning. <clears throat> We've planned to see Crossroads become an independent, non-mission church work for a lot of years. And God keeps saying, nope, not yet. I got other plans for you. No, not yet, not this time. I have an Egyptian Muslim that I want you to disciple. I have a Croatian that needs to know the Lord. <clears throat> I have other people, other sheep in this town that I need you to be there to teach and preach and impact with the gospel. That happened to a man named Paul. In between his first and second missionary journey, if you remember, I want you to turn to the book of Acts, chapter 15. Paul ends his missionary journey back in Jerusalem. And uh, there was a big upheaval about what was going on with all the Gentiles. And uh, there were some that were saying that in order to be righteous, you need to follow the laws of Moses. And the, you need to circumcise your sons. And then there was others that said, no, no, in order to be saved, you have to follow the laws of Moses. There has to be works involved. And so it was taken to the council of Jerusalem. <clears throat> and the end result of chapter 15 is a letter sent from the apostles to the churches in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia and Galatia. And they asked that there would be no greater burden put on these Gentiles than three necessary things. Necessary to what? Necessary to the cause of the gospel. I believe they were asking the Gentiles for the sake of the gospel to do some things that they wouldn't have normally had to do. I think there's some also some uh, basis in Jewish law, in the Old Testament law that even predates the law of Moses. But those three things is don't eat things offered to idols. Don't take your food to the idol temple and sacrifice it and then take it home. That's not right. Don't eat blood. The meat you eat needs to be properly butchered. And the last thing is don't commit porneia or fornication, sexual immorality. Those three things are repeated several times in the book of Acts to this young Gentile church. So Paul, accepting that letter, gets ready for his next trip. And he's got the plans made. You ever made plans for a trip? I'll tell you, the, the 2012 when Pastor Wayne and Shauna came to Tracy, <clears throat> we had every day planned out for seven weeks where we were going to be, what we were going to do, who we were going to see. The whole thing was laid out. It had to be go perfectly. What we didn't plan on was a motorhome air conditioner not being able to keep up and the motorhome being 85 and 90 degrees inside with humidity. But God knows. Plans can change. Sometimes 
when you put the GPS and follow the GPS, the road that the GPS goes, wants you to go on isn't there anymore, or the road you have to go on isn't in, in the GPS yet. That was back a few years. The, things are better now. Paul had plans. He had plans of where he wanted to go. He wanted to go back to every place they had preached. Go to chapter 15, verse 36, and let's read a little bit. <clears throat> After some time had passed, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the brothers in every town where we have preached the message of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take along John Mark, but Paul did not think it appropriate to take along this man who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. There was such a sharp disagreement that they parted company, and Barnabas took Mark and with him and sailed off to Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas, and by the grace of, after being commended by the grace of God, by the brothers, they traveled through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Forgive me for my reading. I normally read out of a large print, and I brought my little Bible, so if I stumble just a little bit, will that be okay? I might, okay. I got to get it the right spot in my glasses. Chapter 16, then he went to Derby and Lystra, and there was living a disciple named Timothy, a son of a believing Jewish woman, and, but his father was Greek. The brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke highly of him. So, they, so he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, since they all knew that his father was Greek. As they traveled through the towns, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and the elders at Jerusalem for them to observe so the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Paul had in his mind where he wanted to go. He had who he wanted to take with him. And God said no. See, there was such a disagreement between he and Barnabas that there was a division between them. And the Bible uses the word a sharp division. They could not get on the same page. Have you ever had that problem? Once in a great while, my wife and I, we were, we were cleaning up from VBS on Thursday. Normally, we work in harmony like nobody's business. We, we are unstoppable. On Thursday, we were going like two trains, two engines on the wrong end of trains, pulling both directions. And you know where you get when you pull one engine on one end pulling left and the other engine on the other end pulling right, how far do you get? Nowhere. Well, there was a sharp division between Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas said, I'm not going unless John Mark can go with us because I want to build into his life. I want you to remember that Barnabas was the encourager. He's the one that wanted to build into the lives of these, these young men. He built into the life of Paul. Now he sees young John Mark, his nephew, and he wants to build into his life and be an encouragement. Paul says, no way. He deserted us. I'm not giving him a second chance. Do you like second chances? We all need second chances. Barnabas was the second chance guy. Paul said, I've got too much to do to worry about some guy that might leave. I got to know my team is solid. Well, division is rarely good, but sometimes division can cause multiplication. Division can cause multiplication. Because of this serious disagreement, Barnabas and Mark joined teams and went off to Cyprus, Barnabas' home. 
and they encouraged the brothers on Cyprus. And Paul, not able to do, do that part of his plan or not wanting to duplicate where Barnabas was, went a different place. New team, new place. He was, instead of going by sea to Cyprus, would go overland through, through Syria and Cilicia. He needed a new helper, and what did God do? He brought a young man named Timothy. I kind of like Timothy, partially because I'm named after him. Timothy had a really strong history. He was raised by his mother and his grandmother in the Jewish faith. But because of his Greek father, Timothy was uncircumcised. Now, now wait a second. I want to go back a minute. What did we just decide in chapter 15 about circumcision? The Jewish council, the Jerusalem council said circumcision is not necessary for salvation or holiness, right? You don't need to do it. You don't, don't have to worry about circumcision. Churches in the Gentile communities. Paul runs into Timothy, a half Jew, half Gentile. What's the first thing he does? Circumcises him. Why? I want you to remember this phrase, for the cause of the gospel. He circumcises Timothy so that he is not offensive to the Jews. Not because, it's not for Timothy. It's not for him to be holy. It's not for him to be saved. It is for those whom he will reach to remove a barrier that is removable. You know what? I don't think that was very comfortable for Timothy. Timothy was willing to endure temporary pain for the sake of the gospel. Sometimes we don't even want to endure some heat, right? I, I, I got up last Sunday morning, and the first thing I said to my church was, I ever want everybody to thank the Lord for Mr. Carrier. Do you know who Mr. Carrier is? How many of you know who Mr. Carrier is? He's the inventor of air conditioning. We're all thankful for him this week, right? Amen? Yeah. I know some of you go back long enough that there wasn't air conditioning, but you know we're, we're, we're glad for it today. There's times when we need to make sacrifices that we don't have to make for the sake of the gospel. There's times when we need to do something that may be uncomfortable or even painful for the sake of the gospel. So Paul and Timothy had to agree to it took Timothy and circumcised him. Paul then, going through the regions, verse 8 of chapter 6, verse, nope, that's a 6. Verse 6 of chapter, chapter 16, they went through the region of Perga and Galatia and they were prevented by the Holy Spirit of speaking the message in Asia. Paul had a plan. He was going to go to Asia, and he was going to share the gospel, plant churches, see, see what God would do, and the Holy Spirit says, no, you're not going there. Okay, so he tried to go to, into Benthia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them, so he didn't go there either. He wanted to go south, and Paul said, okay, I can't go south. The Holy Spirit won't let me go south, so let's go north. And the Holy Spirit said, no, I won't let you go north either. I have other plans. And you know what? Paul was sensitive to 
working of the Spirit and realize that there's times when we need to recognize that the Holy Spirit and God has other plans than what we've made. When Susan and I started on deputation 20 years ago, talking about this little community of Tracy, which is at the crossroads of California, Tracy sits 60 miles due east of San Francisco, about 90 miles south of Sacramento, and it is the trucking hub of California. There is every conceivable distribution hub. We have three Amazons in Tracy. Uh, it's crazy. We started talking about Tracy, and people would ask us, well, what, what do you think is going to happen? Oh, we'll be there about five years, and then we're going to go to another community in the, in nearby and start another church. And then once that one started, you know, five years, and the Lord's kind of, I think, was sitting in heaven laughing. A lot you know, because I'm putting you there for a while. And you're going to reach a group of people, and they're going to scatter and go into churches all over this country. And they're going to strengthen those churches. And I'm going to bring you a new bunch of people, and you're going to build them up in the faith, and then they're going to scatter. And we have seen God use people that have been at Tracy in every region of this country. I was reminded just recently of a, of a couple of ours that's in New Mexico. When they first came to Tracy, they were background people. Do you know what background people are at church? You know, they'll, they'll, they'll make sure the custodian work is done and the, everything in the back, but they're not going to be up here. They're not going to be leaders. They're not going to be your... your lead Sunday school teachers. They'll be nursery workers, but not lead Sunday school teachers, not deacons, etc. And God plopped this couple with us for several years and then moved them to New Mexico and put them at a church that was a former Baptist church planter's church plant. And that church went through a great upheaval caused by one, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it out, one wicked individual who decided he wanted to run the church. And the pastor left, leaving this man that had been at our church as the chairman of the deacons to lead that church through hard times. That church today is thriving, has a new pastor, and is doing great things for God because God put a man that had been in California in the little town of Tracy there and had equipped him for leadership. God has other plans. God changes our plans, and God certainly changed theirs. He changes our direction. Paul wanted to go south, and he said, God said no. God wanted, uh, Paul wanted to go north into Benthia, and God said no. Instead, he sent a dream. You are probably familiar, I'm sure, if you've studied the scriptures at all, with the Macedonian call, where a man from Macedonia appears in Paul's dream and says, come on over. Verse 9, chapter 16. Let's start at verse 8. So by bypassing Mysia, they came down to Troas, and during the night a vision appeared to Paul, the Macedonian man who was standing, pleading with him, cross over to Macedonia and help us. After he had seen the vision, we immediately made, it, made efforts to set out from Macedonia, concluding that God had recognized, had called us to evangelize them. I want you to notice something, just because I like to teach about a few of these things. If you've read the book of Acts much, you will notice 
that the Luke, who's writing the book of Acts, talks about they and them until that verse. And then all of a sudden in that verse, he says, we. Luke doesn't talk about himself much. But we know because of the change in the pronoun that all of a sudden Luke has joined the team. God has added Timothy. God has now added Luke to the team. And they made plans to head to Macedonia immediately. Luke stays with the team until chapter 17, verse 1, where he switches back to they. Next time watch uh, you read the book of Acts, watch for that change in pronoun. God called them to evangelize, to, to reach their community. That's what we're here for, isn't it? If we're just here to be within these four walls and not reach out into greater Scottsdale or greater Tracy, why are we doing anything? Because we've been called to go and make churchgoers, make, make, uh, make people that attend church. No, we're going to make disciples. We're called to make disciples of all nations. I love where I live, and I, I am assuming that it's a little bit of the same thing here, because where I live, I don't, I don't have to go anywhere to be, make disciples of all nations. Because all nations have come to us. We have people of almost every part of the world living within 30 minutes of us. We have an extremely large Indian community that is moving into the Central Valley to Tracy. Lots of Hindu and Sikh and Muslim, all from India. In fact, just this last week, we had a change of plans. There was an Indian man, he's Sikh, who ran for city council. His name was Amrik Wonder. I got to meet Amrik. I got to know him a little bit. Got to chat with him and so forth. He did not win the seat on city council this last election, but he continued to be active in our community, and the Indian people in our neighborhood loved him. He was a voice for them. He was a great, strong personality. He was great at public speaking. Just just the kind of person you, you, you can't help but like as soon as you meet him. You know some people like that that you just love. Just the moment you meet him, you I like that guy. He's a great politician. He and his campaign manager last Friday night left an event in Tracy and took their brand new Tesla out to a back road to see how fast it would go. Traveling 130 miles an hour, he missed the curb. Crashed it. And the car caught immediately caught on fire and they both burned to death. It has rocked our community to see these two good men all of a sudden die at VBS this week. We had a family that came to VBS that knew them well. This, this lady and her little girl She's been coming to VBS for the last several years. She's Indian, and I don't know whether she's Hindu or Sikh. Do you know, Susan? But she, she understands the, the reincarnation, Eastern mysticism ideas of life after death. But she also understands something about Christianity. She's not saved. And so she, she asked Susan, 
God wouldn't bring him back as a bug. What he, he was a good man. And Susan was able to share what the Bible teaches about life after death and about what salvation really means. Give me her first name again because I'm missing it. Artie is her name. Would you pray for Artie? Artie has some physical issues, but she's seeking. She's asking questions. And this death of Amaric and his campaign manager has rocked her world. And you know, sometimes when those things happen, it's a time when people can come to understand the truth of the gospel, that salvation is through Christ alone, through faith alone. And when we die, we either go to be with him or we go to a place of torment called hell. Paul was called to Macedonia <coughs> to evangelize. <coughs> Excuse me. Paul immediately went to the riverside and found a lady named Lydia. Lydia came to Christ. I'm going to summarize the chapter just for time's sake because I want to cover quite a bit of time. While he was working with Lydia, there was a demon-possessed girl that kept shouting, listen to these guys. These men who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation are the slaves of the Most High God, she said. She did this for days. S.D. Towson said this, the girl attached herself to Paul and to others and was shouting who they are, servants of the Most High God, and what they preach, the way to be saved. Though her statements were true, the gospel of Christ was damaged by association with a demon-possessed slave girl. So after many days, Paul exercised the demon, speaking directly to the spirit. Paul cast out this demon because the message given by the wrong messenger can cause damage instead of being productive. Satan took the truth, put it in the mouth of a demon-possessed person, and it became tainted. We have to make sure when we're speaking that our lives are not tainted and tainting the message. Paul cast out that demon, and, well, her handlers didn't like that very much, so they had Paul arrested, thrown in jail. You know the story of Paul and the Philippian jailer there at Philippi. Had him thrown in jail. That wasn't part of Paul's plan, was it? God had other plans for Paul and for Silas. As they sat there in shackles in the deepest part of the prison, what did they do? Look at, um, again, chapter 16, verse 25. <clears throat> About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Paul had a captive audience. Don't you love it? Paul said, listen, I have people that can't help but listen to me, so I'm going to praise God and I'm going to preach the message right here, right now. Paul hadn't planned to be in a prison. Paul wanted to be in the synagogue and in the streets preaching the word of God. But instead, God put him in the prison where he needed to be. He began to preach to these prisoners. And outside, there was a jailer that I think was listening. 
The jailer's job was to keep those prisoners secure. If any prisoner was to escape this jailer, the Roman law said that the jailer would have to serve his sentence. Did you know that? I think maybe we should uh, have that same law in the U.S., but um, that may be coming from my police chaplaincy part of me. The jailer would have to serve a life sentence if there was somebody in that prison that was serving a life sentence and escaped. If there was somebody in there that was going to be executed, the jailer would be executed in his place if he allowed him to escape. Uh, once again, God had other plans. And God shook the foundations of that jail. I, I was noticing that your building is made of brick. We don't find buildings like this in California. You know why? Because once in a while, God shakes up our lives too. God took that jail and shook it. But I've seen earthquake damage. And I've never seen earthquake damage that would do this. Did you notice what happened? Suddenly there were such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened. Let me tell you a story about a, a building in San Jose, California that survived the San Francisco earthquake in 1906, I think it was. Mrs. Winchester, widow of the Winchester rifle mogul, had moved to San Jose and began to build a house because she was a spiritist and the spirits had told her that the spirits of all the dead Indians will leave you alone if you never stop building your house. So you can go today and visit the Winchester Mystery House and it is weird beyond degree. But the story is that during the 1906 earthquake, Mrs. Winchester was in one of the front bedrooms at night asleep and the earthquake took the fireplace that was in that second story room and leveled it down to the first story. That fireplace being gone shifted the foundation of the room to where her door was stuck closed. It took 24 hours for her servants to find her and free her from that room. Generally speaking, when earthquakes happen, doors don't fly open. They stick closed. Immediately, all the doors of the jail were opened. And everyone's chains fell off. How did that happen? Can an earthquake do that? I don't think so. These guys were suddenly free. Wow. What an exciting time. When the jailer woke up and he saw the doors of the prison open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoner escaped. I want you to remember that he would have had to pay the penalty of all of their sentences, every last one. So instead of that, he was going to kill himself. But, now I want to go back to verse 25. The prisoners were listening to Paul and Silas sing and preach, right? So now, verse 28 but Paul called out in a loud voice, don't harm yourself because all of us are here. All of us are here. Those prisoners had been impacted by the message that Paul had been 
preaching through the night so that when the earthquake came, they were prepared to stay put. How many of you would have run out the door? I think I would have. But Paul said, no, we don't want to risk the life of the jailer. We're going to stay where we're at. And instead, what happens? The jailer says, what must I do to be saved? And Paul's answer is, believe. See, God changes our plans. God allowed Paul to be in that jail, even though that wasn't his plan. But I want, to, I want to tell you something. Paul didn't have to be there. Paul was a Roman citizen. Paul had the right to trial that most other people didn't. All Paul had to say when they laid hands on him was, how dare you touch me, a Roman citizen? And they would have went, whoa. Read in the book of Acts at the end when he tells, when he's rescued from the temple, the reaction of the Roman guards when he tells them they're a Roman, that he's a Roman. But he doesn't do that. He allows himself, because God was doing this, God was changing his plan, he allows himself to be put in the prison because God had something that needed to be done. He evangelizes the prisoners. He now gets the opportunity to evangelize the jailer. The jailer gets saved. Next morning's there. Paul like Timothy, had allowed himself to be in prison for the cause of the gospel, for the sake of the gospel. Verse 35, when daylight came, the chief magistrate sent the police to say, release those men. The jailer reported these words to Paul. The magistrates have sent orders for you to be released. Come now and go in peace. <coughs> Leave. Get out of town get going. Paul's not going to have it. Now, Paul pulls out the Roman citizen card. Why? For the cause of the gospel. Because now the Roman citizen card will help him in evangelizing his community that he's at there in Philippi. So what's he say? Paul said to them, they beat us in public without a trial. Though we are Roman citizens and threw us in jail, now they're going to smuggle us out secretly? I don't think so. Certainly not. On the contrary, let them come themselves and escort us out. You see, there's times when we have to give up our rights for the cause of the gospel. Like Paul did when he was thrown in prison. He didn't have to be there. And then there's times when we need to demand our rights for the cause of the gospel. We need to be careful when we do what thing because we need to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing because oftentimes we have our plans so embedded in our mind, like Paul did not taking John Mark, that we're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit. What happened? Verse 35. Uh, verse, uh, um, verse 38, excuse me. Then the police reported these words to the magistrate, and they were afraid when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them. And escorting them out, they urged them to leave town. Please, please, just go away. What did Paul do? After leaving the jail, they came to Lydia's house, 
and they, where they saw and encouraged the brothers. And after that, they departed on their own time. There was an increase of boldness. Paul. Paul stayed a little longer to encourage those brothers, to show them the way of God more, more clearly. And then he moved on because that's what the Holy Spirit had led him to do. My friends, we need to be sensitive to what God has for us. We need to be ready for God's plans. Doesn't mean we shouldn't make plans. We should make good plans, but we should also say, not my will, but yours be done, right? And we need to be ready to adjust with whatever God has for us. And there's times when we need to endure pain for the cause of the gospel. And there's times when we need to stand up and say, no, this isn't right for the cause of the gospel. Some of that happened during the last few years, didn't it? When they closed churches down and some, of, some stood up and said, no, this isn't right. We need to be worshiping because that's what God's told us to do. And I'm not going to get into all of that today. Praise God, we're out of that, amen. We don't need to relive it. But for the cause of the gospel, we need to take some stands and we also need to not take stands. This depends on what's going to be better for our testimony so that we can reach others for Christ. That's what we're trying to do in Tracy. That's what God is leading us to do. And I know that that's what you guys are trying to do here. Will you pray with me as we close? Mm-hmm.